Hey, bosses, before we get started with this episode, I want to thank our sponsor, DiversityFund.com, which tell you more in the mid-roll, but they allow you to invest like the 1%. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey bosses, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 128 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I am here in my parents' house in San Francisco and Sam, you look like you are in an unfinished attic somewhere with insulation all around. Where where are you? You know where this is. We've recorded dozens and dozens of episodes here. You got to know where this is by now. Um, Is this your house in North Carolina, your parents' house? Johnny, it's South Carolina. South Carolina. It's okay. a big difference. <laughs> to me, it's exactly the same. I'm sure they're very different, though. Yeah, man. I went through a absolutely exhausting process to get back to the USA. I had a flight get canceled in Barcelona. I was over in Barcelona for two weeks. Had a great vacation, and then Delta canceled a flight. You know, it, it's pretty rare. Fortunately, it's pretty rare that those type of things happen. But when they do, oh, man, it can be such an inconvenience and so exhausting getting scheduled, rescheduled shipped in buses back to hotels, like a bunch of farm animals, woken up at 5 a.m. to get back on a bus to go to the airport four hours in advance, put on a shittier plane to get back to the U.S. in a seat that you don't want. Like, it's just terrible. Yeah, that sucks. What what happened? Do you know why they canceled it? Maintenance issue. Delta flies 767s over the Atlantic, which in my opinion is a a terrible plane. And no surprise on the way back, they had a bunch of maintenance issues. And... um, you know, it reminds you of the the pleasures of having a home base and you get back and you're just like, ah, oh, it feels so good to be here and not have to deal with that stuff. But yeah, definitely. I know you just came back from a long, long flight as well Prague yeah. to San Francisco. Yeah. Well, it's funny is I stopped over in Barcelona. So for at least a few hours we we're in the same city. Would you fly back? So I flew with Levels Airline with a code share with Iberia. Have you heard of them? Okay. Never heard of them. Nope. So I, I never heard of them either. But it turns out Iberia is owned by, I believe, British Airways. And the plane itself was actually extremely nice. Uh, there was only two classes. There was premium economy and normal economy. And I feel like I saved $3,000 by not flying business class for once on these super long haul flights. It was 12, you know, 12 plus hours. And it was mm-hmm. fine. It was, it was like completely fine. And I went to the back of the economy just to see what it would look like. And it was a bit more narrow and you know not as much legroom, but the seats were really, really good. And it looked comfortable. They had big, big screens. So I, I would recommend them, except their online check-in process was probably the worst I've seen pretty much anywhere since, since like 2008. I, I literally mm. could not check in and, and pick a seat until I figured out. I mean, I emailed them. I messaged them on Twitter, on Facebook. I emailed them. I tried to call and they're basically like, because it's a code share, you have to do it for you know you have to do it through this other airline. It was just a back and forth triangle, and it was so frustrating until the day before I realized when I when the pop up says we need to redirect you to the other airline to check you in. If I click no, don't redirect me, then it actually let me check in, mm. which is ironic. Sometimes that code sharing stuff can be can be messy. There's just so many people flying now. Like all these airlines and airports are having starting to have scaling issues, but you know who I like for long, long haul, cheap economy flights now is Norwegian. They yeah. fly really, they fly basically everywhere in the world. They have a brand new fleet, mostly Dreamliner 787s. 
I didn't used to like the 787, but it's a great plane. That and the new Airbus A350 is kind of was put out to to rival it. Man, those planes, the way they pressurize and, and put oxygen into those, when you after a long haul flight, you don't feel the jet lag uh, or the you know the you don't feel like you got hit by a car when you get off the plane. It's they're really really good planes. So definitely recommend them for long hauls. Yeah, I like them. Um, the first time I ever flew business class was with Norwegian, and I was like, this is great. You know, it was a uh, it was still much less than other airlines, but it was it was fantastic. So yeah, I like Norwegian a lot as well. Well, it's good to be both back on U.S. soil for a bit. I'll tell you, when I landed, I was like, oh, gosh, it's just such a hassle. I, bl- I wanted to blame the whole miserable experience on coming back to the USA. And I had another issue pop up. You know, I've been tr- planning to move to Charlotte, Johnny. Uh-huh. I spent a few months looking for the perfect apartment, and I found it, and I applied, and I got rejected. <laughs> I got rejected. How? I got rejected Why? For what? For a residential apartment in Charlotte because of a 2004 misdemeanor for breaking a window in my college dorm. Oh my God. Uh, That is now 15 years ago. Oh my God. Less than 200. It went on my, my record as criminal, uh, uh, criminal mischief, less than $200 damage. And they're not accepting me. And they did a a credit score. I'm happy to say I have a 790 credit score. Pretty (sighs) outstanding. And they also looked up what's called like an AL score, which is assets to liability, which I was in like the top 98 percentile. But 15 years ago, I broke a window in college and I am not allowed to be a resident in that property. So it's weird, man. Every time I try to like set up roots here, like I tried to buy this land here in South Carolina and build a house. I, I just like I, I screwed up the, the dates of uh, when I was supposed to go buy the property and someone else bought it. And now this and they're like, oh, my God. Maybe it's just a sign. I need to be setting up base out, you know, outside yeah. the U.S. again. Well, I don't maybe know. maybe it's a sign that says you don't need a base. Home is where the heart is, buddy. Baseless, baseless. Well, my parents said I can come move into their basement, which I'm living in right now in South Carolina. I love it here. I'll tell you what, I'm so happy, man. I can. I got a lot, lot of, lot of time reflecting here, just on what's important in life. And I'll tell you, some, some football on TV, good bottle of wine, dinner with a family, views of the lake walks each day, you know, through nature. It, I, I don't think it'll ever get old. I really don't. But traveling will, but I don't think good quality time with people you love will. I, I definitely agree. And I look forward to catching up with you and seeing you in LA in just a few weeks. And if uh, all of you listening are listening before Saturday, September 28th, make sure you guys come out to LA because we are going to have an incredible time at the Invest Like a Boss Summit at the Pure Street headquarters. We'll tell you a lot more about it, including all the, who all the speakers are, what to expect uh, at the end of the episode. But uh, just keep it in mind. Uh, and if you want to check it out, just go to investlikeaboss.com slash summit. Uh, but today's episode is going to be a really exciting one about new technology that we're all kind of looking forward to, right? I certainly am. That's why we're doing this episode, Johnny. 5G, my man. It's not five grand. That's talking about fifth generation technology. You know, to be honest, I wasn't that excited because I was like, 4G is plenty fast. Why is everybody in such a rush to implement this? I mean, even 3G is good enough, in my my opinion, for most things. You know, it only gets a little bit slow if I'm uploading videos or watching YouTube. But 4G is plenty fast. So I'm very curious what the rush is. Well, 
you're going to find out on this episode, I was intrigued enough to dig into 5G and reach out to some of the top people that have covered the benefits of what's coming in 5G and, as importantly, how to bet on it or how to invest in it. Same, same. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to bring on Matthew Cochran, and he's an analyst and writer for The Motley Fool. And man, I really want to pick his brain on what 5G is, because honestly, I've read a couple articles, but I want to hear about it. And how do we invest in it, Johnny? How do we play on what 5G can be and can mean to the future of our economy? Or should we be investing in it? So let's take a listen. Uh, here is Matt. Everyone, welcome back. We have on a great guest on a topic I've been wanting to cover for some time now, 5G. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. It's great to be here. So on this episode, we're going to talk about 5G. I've been hearing a lot about 5G, and I've been looking for an expert to come on and cover the topic and reached out to you, Matt, because you had an excellent article written up in The Motley Fool. And it really, really piqued my interest even further than my initial interest when talking about 5G. So what, you know, what led you to end up actually writing that article and diving into 5G yourself? As an investor, I just love to look for, for growing markets. And I, I think those represent great opportunities. And so that, that's what first led me to, to explore 5G a little bit closer. I guess maybe a good place to start for the episode is just talking about for all the listeners out there that may have heard of 5G conceptually, but don't actually know what it means or what it stands for. Could you give us, give us kind of a high level overview of, of what 5G is? Yeah, absolutely. So 5G, believe it or not, it just stands for the fifth generation, as in the fifth generation of uh, wireless networks, which is a, a new standard for mobile telecommunications that is promising to be significantly faster than previous generations. The math, it's a little bit fuzzy as far as speeds go because you never quite get what is advertised, but it, it's going to be significantly faster as an extremely low latency, which means there's like little delay between when signals are sent and received which is which is going to be essential for future applications such as driverless cars or robotics or machine to machine communication and it's going to let networks carry more data and more reliably so when we think about all the applications that can possibly be built off 5g and i think we'll get into some of them but it is actually really really exciting you just mentioned driverless cars and you know, you mentioned we talked a little bit about speed and latency. I had heard some people floating this number out that it's going to be ten thousand times faster than four G, and I don't know if that's true or not. But I don't see how something could even be, you know, five times faster than four G because four G seems pretty fast already. Yeah, I think anytime you start talking about the speeds, a lot of it's theoretical and not mm -hmm. real life. Every generation of wireless networks promises to be faster than the previous one by some multiplier, even if the mm -hmm. previous generation speed wasn't even clearly defined. But 4G, it works in a, a range of frequency between 700, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but mm -hmm. 4G works between a range of 700 megahertz and 6 gigahertz. And it's up to 10 times faster than 3G. Now, so when you get to 5G, but when you actually use 4G, you know, in reality, you might be getting 10 megabits per second, you might be getting 7 megabits per second, you might be getting 43 megabits per second. Just kind of depends where you are. I wouldn't concentrate too much on what theoretical speeds are because speeds are all over the place. And if a cell gets busy uh, with 100 or so connected and busy clients, you know, even 4G can feel not like 4G. But I would say Verizon's promising speeds of 450 megabits per second. That does promise to be about 10 times faster than 4G. 
Okay, 10 times faster. It's still super fast. It's not 10,000 times faster, but it's still super fast, super right. faster. <laughs> right. Now, how can we see 5G everywhere already? I even am looking at wireless signals in my building and I see everyone's calling their signal 5G. I see you know news about 5G services already available. Is it actually available or are people just calling their networks 5G? So it's a little bit of both, all right? So for real 5G networks, like major domestic wireless carriers, they're now rolling out some 5G speeds in cities across the country. And China too, their, roll, their 5G rollout has begun and other countries are beginning to follow suit, but it's mostly right now, I think you're seeing it in the US and China. You know, and device makers, they're just now beginning to prepare for this massive shift as a number of smartphone models are being released that are capable of taking advantage of 5G speeds when they will be available. It's still gonna take years though before 5G wireless speeds blanket our country the same way 4G speeds do now. Now, <laughs> AT&T, however, <laughs> all right, they've already been castigated because they rebranded certain 4G phones as 5G-E. And AT&T argues that many te technologies deeply linked to like faster 5G networks have already been introduced on the company's existing 4G network. Now, critics call this misleading and it's aimed at convincing users that you're, they're, they're using the latest and greatest tech when they're really not. But AT&T's like they, they defend it by saying, well, this is, this is what customers want and they know it's the, it's the latest and greatest. But is it true 5G? No, it's not. And like Sprint has even sued AT&T over that 5G e-branding. So there's a little bit of both. Is, is it being introduced in some markets around the country? Yes, but it's on a very limited scale right now. Even in the cities where it's being rolled out, it'll be at, I, I want to say in, in Dallas, like their football stadium now has 5G coverage. Mm -hmm. In Chicago, Verizon has rolled it out in very specific regions of the city. But it, you can't just say with a, like a blanket statement, Chicago has 5G speeds. Uh, it's just very specific neighborhoods in Chicago. Got it. But AT&T has tried rebranding their 4G speeds with 5GE. And it's not okay. 5G. So, yeah. So when I'm looking in my building here in Tampa and I see everyone calling their networks 5G, it's that's just bogus. That's something they named it or the, the <laughs> mechanic that put it all in named it, but it's not actually 5G Wi-Fi yet. I I don't know every single market that has limited 5G. It, is it mm -hmm. possible? Sure. But even then, most phones, there's only like two or three phones that even are capable of receiving the 5G speeds now. So mm -hmm. unless you have like, I, I want to say it's the Samsung Galaxy 10, and there's a couple of uh, Moto phones that like, if you get an external modem to attach to the phone, it's capable of taking mm -hmm. 5G speeds. Other than that, no, you're, you on your own phone that you've had for a year or two, you're not getting 5G speeds. Do you have any idea of, of when 4G was introduced and how long it took to get 4G to this point? Because I know 4G now, we just, at least in the USA, we, we feel is commonplace. It almost feels like it's always been here, but it, it hasn't, right? Right. Yeah, I know. It does, it does seem like it's been here forever. Roughly speaking, uh, a new generation of wireless networks has emerged about every 10 years since the early 80s. In 1981, you had 1G, which was just the analog transmission of voice. And that first became available. And then in the early 90s, you had 2G, which allowed digital transmission. And then right about the turn of the century, like 2001, you started seeing 3G wireless networks starting to appear. And that supported multimedia applications. And then about 10 years later, in 2011, 4G appeared on the scene. And that's when the you see a lot of things like the growth of the Internet of Things and uh, people like being able to actually watch like videos and, and, and like surf the net fairly quickly first started happening. But that was about... 
2011. And if you think about the impact of that, it's hard to remember what, what we were doing 10 years ago, but the world looked a whole lot different. You know, now just think about walking through the streets or being in an Uber or anywhere you are, everyone's face down on a phone and they're streaming or doing video calls where 10 years ago, none of that stuff was happening. And that has to have dramatic impacts for the economy because everything's connected and you can work much easier from anywhere, but also just it's just changing the face of society because it's a lot less of a personal society. We're doing a lot less face-to-face conversation. We're always distracted and playing in our phones. It's, it's kind of weird how quickly the, the world is changing because of the speed and connectivity of everything. Uh, there's no doubt. It's, it's hard for me to imagine. Like I have a 13-year-old son. It's hard for me to believe when he was born, I want to say the first iPhone appeared like the year he was born or the year after. You know, and it's hard to believe before he was born. I, I don't think I had ever sent a text message. Yeah. And it's got to be interesting just raising kids, like in your age, your son's age group, 13, where you say before you had him, you hadn't even sent a text message. And I'm sure growing up, he at some age, he had a cell phone and that cell phone makes it to the dinner table. And it's and, and now it's almost like if you don't give your children access to a phone and the Internet at a young age to kind of preserve some maybe more conservative lifestyle, you are actually handicapping that kid in a, in a sense, because if they, they go into high school and don't have the technology skills, they're at a disadvantage to, to potentially their peers. Oh, no doubt. I mean, there's so many, there's so many pros and cons each way, right? There's a, they have to know how to use technology to exist in the world where they're going to get jobs and have careers and things like that. They have to know how to use technology and, and use it responsibly. So in that, in that sense, like I want them, you know, using the technology now. So hopefully they can learn how to use it responsibly. And then in another sense, I kind of just want to protect them from it as long as I can. So right. yeah, it's, it's, I mean, and I think parents around the country are facing that. It's not a unique situation. It, it's, it's hard to know where that balance is or how to strike it. No doubt. You mentioned that 5G will require new phones and there's only a, a handful of phones now that support 5G. Again, is that the same as what happened with 4G? When 4G came out, phones had to be created to support 4G. And if this is the case with 5G, does this mean all the phones that we're currently holding right now will effectively be worthless to the average person once 5G is out and we have to have a 5G-capable phone? Yes. Okay, so 5G phones have to be equipped with the necessary chips, switches, filters, etc., to transmit and receive 5G signals. And at this point in time, there's only like a few such devices on the market. You're gonna to start to see that ramped up very soon. Uh, like more are expected mm-hmm. to be released in the in the coming year. For instance, Verizon has four such phones now capable of connecting to a 5G network. And, and two of those, like I was saying earlier, the Moto Z3 and the Z4, they need an external modem that connects to the phone to make that happen. And of course that costs extra. Yeah, so most of our phones now are the next Two to three years, that 5G networks really begin to ramp up, you're going to need a new phone. Got it. Now, I've heard a little bit about some rumors that 5G can be pretty dangerous to humans or even like fry humans because of the radio waves. Have you heard anything about that? Is there, is there any delay in releasing 5G because of some of these fears? All right. So there does not seem to be anything as far as regulations out there that will be delaying this. In fact, it's almost the opposite. A lot of times when you invest... You have to be careful how how regulators are going to be approaching, whether it's industries or companies. I mean, we can see that with Facebook and Google and Amazon now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're facing a whole host of, uh, of antitrust probes and, and investigations and things like that. As far as 5G goes, governments are actually supporting it. They, they, want, mm. they want this rollout to happen. They think it'll be good for the economy. 
And, uh, you know, as far as politicians go, what, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll, they're, they're happy to ride that wave. Now, if, if we start getting like cancer, like in 20 years from this, you know, they'll be out of office by then. Yeah. And they'll point the, they'll point the finger at somebody else. Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> in China, too, it's the same thing. China is really aggressively uh, promoting 5G across their country. And so I think I, as far as regulations go, there, there does not seem to be anything on the horizon for that. But whether it actually like harms humans, I, I don't know. I don't know. Now, when is this all expected to be released? So we know we got some big players working on it. You mentioned China, the U.S., and also some of the companies underneath. Any timelines on uh, on a full rollout or when we we as consumers might be able to have it in our hands? As far as the phones or as far as the wireless networks supporting 5G networks everywhere? Yeah, yeah, phone and network, I would say. All right, so Sprint is not doing much in the U.S. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile all have things in the works about rolling out the networks. And basically, the phone makers are going to be following the, the network's leads. Uh, now, Verizon, they, they've already launched initial service in like in Chicago and Minneapolis. And they also have service in Denver, Providence, Rhode Island, and I think it's mm-hmm. St. Paul, Minnesota. But like I, mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier, it's very limited in those cities right now. For instance, in Chicago, it's for listeners familiar with the city, it's around tourist attractions like the Willis Tower or the Art Institute mm-hmm. or Millennium Park. AT&T, they're, they're trying to roll out service in Atlanta, Charlotte, uh, Raleigh, Dallas, Houston, uh, and several other markets in Texas. And they want to have, quote unquote, nationwide 5G service available by early 2020. But as far as blanketing the country by early 2020, I would say it's going to be over the next two to three years. And mm-hmm. Apple, I don't even think it's planning to release a 5G phone until 2021, maybe 2020. So, right. Figure you've got a good two to three years before you really start seeing the effects of this. Hey bosses, this week's sponsor is Diversity Fund, an alternative investment platform providing the same investment opportunities as the wealthy. Their goal is to help close the wealth gap and enable all Americans to achieve financial freedom by opening up the world of alternative investments and let you invest and build wealth like the 1%. Their current investing offering is the DF Growth Read, a portfolio of commercial real estate focusing on value-add multifamily apartment buildings. What makes Diversity Fund different is that they are vertically integrated, which means that they own and operate all the assets. That allows them to remove the middlemen, not charge any platform or asset management fees. Best of all, they're invested alongside with you, so you know their interests are aligned with yours. Even then, they pay their investors before they pay themselves. Go to diversityfund.com to learn more or get started for as low as $500. Use promo code BOSS20 to get a $20 Amazon gift card after making your first investment. That's D-I-V-E-R-S-Y fund.com. I saw Verizon wants to use 5G for home internet. And would that... If, if that's true, would that actually mean that, that we pull 5G home internet from a cell tower instead of actually having a guy come in and wire the building, wire your unit, and then plug in a modem to that wire? Yes. What I find interesting about this is there's just this huge domestic debate over net neutrality and the implications of that. And, and I'm not picking a side at all on that. What I find interesting, I think in a few years, the whole issue will be a moot point because mm-hmm. 5G wireless speeds will bring competition to internet service providers uh, that provide U.S. residences with high-speed broadband internet service. And once an area has access to 5G speeds, these locations will be, will be able to access the same level of service wirelessly. 
This is significant mm. because as of 2018, 85% of U.S. households had access to either one or zero internet service providers that could offer internet service with speeds of 100 megabits per second. And that's wow. according to the FCC. So more than 10 million domestic households lacked access to a broadband provider that could offer speeds of 25 megabits per second. So 5G speed is going to transform this game. So there's certain things with 5G, like we're talking about how getting cell phone service that's 5G capable. And I think we're going to really start to see it in two to three years in a lot of places. But as far as Mm -hmm. this goes, this is probably a little further down the road. You might want to think four to five years. However, it's coming. I don't see any reason why it won't come, but it's going to take a few years. But when it does happen, yes, you, you know, most markets will be able to get home internet access and, and things like that through their wireless signal. Yeah, that'll be great because also no matter where you're at in town, if you just go into a coffee shop or sitting around outside, you can basically just use your phone as a hotspot as a lot of people are doing now. But if you're like me, I have T-Mobile and pretty much my service is worthless even if I'm in the middle of a city. Right. So it's not that it's not that good yet, but I could see it in the future where basically your phone is just a hotspot and you could do anything from you know, download massive files to video conferences and really never need to hook up to an external Wi-Fi uh, just about anywhere you go, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So this brings us kind of like some of the opportunities in investing. I'm wondering if, you know, the, the rumor always is, or actually the saying always is, buy the rumor, sell the news. So I'm wondering if if a lot of the 5G stuff is already baked in to some of these these stocks that we'll we'll discuss in a second, but I want to get your opinion on that first. Do you think that some of that hype is already reflected in the stock prices? So, as someone who likes to invest, and, and I really enjoy, for lack of a better term, the game of finding like great stocks mm-hmm. to invest in and investments like that. I don't like using blanket statements. So, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. in, in some cases, there's companies you could look at where, yes, 5G, like, and the implications of 5G might be baked into a stock price. But I think there's plenty of opportunities for investors where it, that's not the case. And I'll even say, I think one of the, the Motley Fool preaches uh, where I write, they, they, they preach mm-hmm. like long-term investing. And I think one of the greatest advantages individual investors can have is having a long-term mindset. The market, I think, is mm-hmm. very short-term focused. They're worried about the next quarter, maybe the next two to three quarters. But even then, it's, it's so short-term focused. And so we're talking about something two to three years out. And I think the market is completely... They know it's out there, but they're discounting it because it's so far off. Mm-hmm. In their terms, mm-hmm. it's so far off. Mm-hmm. So I think if investors are willing to be patient, I think, no, 5G is, is generally not baked in a lot of these investments prices. Okay. What would be some of the, the top stocks that you would see? Well, actually, before we get into stop, top stocks, do you like the uh, the the angle of investing in some of these individual stocks or perhaps another way like via a technology ETF? So I will say it, it depends. It depends on the individual. The less interest someone has in something, the more general route is probably better where to look at ETFs. Mm-hmm. And if somebody loves to like research stocks and get in the weeds with the technology and the investment space, I, I think mm-hmm. picking individual stocks might be the way to go. However, there's, there's three ETFs that I think are probably offer uh, good opportunities for in- investors to invest in without doing a lot of legwork. And the first one mm-hmm. would be it's the Defiance Next Gen Connectivity ETF. And the symbol is mm-hmm. FIVG. This is a new one. There's not much of a track record, but it's uh, it's top 10 holdings include the wireless carriers such as AT&T and Verizon, semiconductor chips, and a lot of the some of the stocks we'll be talking about. But that 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 would be the first one. And like I said, their symbol is 5G, FIVG. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is the Global X Internet of Things ETF, symbol 
SNSR. And so 5G, the Internet of Things, is it's basically the, the billions of devices that connect to the Internet or to like a, to a wireless signal in order to automate, control, and monitor different applications and functions. And as 5G becomes more of a reality, the Internet of Things is expected to explode inside. Cisco Systems projects that 500 billion devices will be connected to the Internet by 2030. And so, you know, this includes, wow. yeah, it's crazy. And this includes things like medical monitoring devices, security systems, smart home speakers. And, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's getting to the point, I think, where our toasters are going to be connected to the Internet. You know, we can control our toaster on an app and, and, and have toast waiting for us when we get home from work or something. But uh, uh, just like, you know, everything basically is going to be connected to the Internet. And so this ETF, they have like some of their holdings are like security systems like ADT or like the Garmin, the maker of GPS navigation systems, the Cypress Semiconductor, the maker of programmable systems on chips and microcontrollers that are used in uh, many wireless devices. And, and that's a way to play the Internet of Things, which will be kind of like a direct beneficiary of 5G. And then the last mm -hmm. one is the Pacer Benchmark Data and Infrastructure ETF, symbol SRVR. This offers investors indirect exposure to 5G. The purpose of this ETF is to, quote unquote, from their, from their own website, to generate the majority of their revenue from real estate operations and the data and infrastructure sector, end quote. And most of its holdings are real estate investment trusts, things like you might be familiar with. Like, and a lot of them are in the, like, the data center and cell phone tower sectors. And in fact, like their top 10 positions make up about 80% of their allocations. And it's almost all exclusively like data center and cell phone towers which are going to, that's part of the physical infrastructure that's going to be needed mm -hmm. for 5G to work. Yeah, when think about it from that way, sense there's so many different ways you can invest indirectly or directly in 5G. And it does seem to make sense for the typical investor to try to pick up one of these baskets. If you had one or two stocks that you particularly loved and thought would be, you know, massively uplifted by, by 5G and, and nailing 5G, what would they be? So, yeah, I have a couple for you, or for your listeners. The first one is Corning Incorporated. They, uh, many people might just know them from Corningware, like the casserole dishes their uh, mothers or grandmothers used to have that would break out at Easter time. But uh, this isn't your, uh, your mother's glass company. <laughs> so Corning makes Gorilla Glass, which is that tough, scratch-resistant glass that basically covers all of smartphones today. And that glass is going to be used to cover many of the devices that will make up the Internet of Things. We're talking about smartwatches or smartphones or, in the future, goggles or something like that. Right now, Gorilla Glass is used on more than 5 billion devices by 40 different manufacturers, and that includes smartphones, wearables, automobiles, 3D sensing technology, hologram reality devices, and several catalysts seem to be positioning Gorilla Glass as the covering of choice for several Internet of Things devices for years to come, and that, that starts with the smartphone. They've also partnered with OtterBox, which is the top-selling uh, smartphone case brand in the United States to make screen protective covers for smartphones. Mm -hmm. and, and that's one of the reasons I like Corning. However, the, the primary reason I like Corning is its leading position as the maker of optical fiber. And that's the material that's going to be used to carry this increased data, which is going to come with 5G. So the company has already produced more than 1 billion kilometers of optical fiber. They basically discovered optical fiber back in the 70s, and optical fiber is just so much better and more efficient than copper, which is traditionally used. And as these networks are transitioning over to optical fiber, Corning should benefit immensely from that. What an interesting company that I've never heard of. Like they've been around for, 
you know, so they basically years. made it 150, 150 years. Yes. And they used to make them used to make glassware for, for what'd you say? Like corning glassware. So like if, uh, or corningware used to be called, it, it, this is a fascinating company. I don't want to geek out too much, but like they made the glass yeah. for Thomas Edison's first light bulb. No way. Yeah. Oh my God. This is awesome. And they got going early on because so at railroad crossings across the country, the red light that would warn people, like the train was coming, mm-hmm. they would, when it got cold, the temperature changes would crack them. And, and Corning found a way to make glass coverings for these railroad lights, basically without cracking. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and ever since then, they've been the leader of glass technology. And they're in New York. They're in the town of Corning, New York. That's why the company's named mm-hmm. that. And they made the, the glass for the Hubble telescope. You know, like they're, they, they just have a fascinating, fascinating history that goes back about 150 years. That's incredible. Good for them. Good for them. Just keeping up with times and continuing to figure out how to help drive technology forward and, and, and be a major part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Corning's a really interesting one because it's, it's not, it's not technology. It's just, it's, it's accessory basically to technology. How about any of the technology stocks? Is there anything that, that pops straight out at you? Sure. Uh, the, the other one I'll, I'll give you is Skyworks Solutions. And this, mm-hmm. they design and make analog semiconductor chips, which is going to be a necessary component for devices that wish connect to connect to a wireless signal. Mm-hmm. Most of their revenue comes from what they put, the components they put in smartphones, but they also make a lot of chips that go in the Internet of Things, and that includes smart home speakers, wearables, security systems, etc. And this is going to give them two very nice catalysts going forward. We talked about our phones right now are not capable of receiving 5G signals, and so mm-hmm. phones are going to have to upgrade to include all this necessary equipment. However, when phones do that, they can't lose the equipment that connects to like a 4G signal or a 3G signal and on down. They, they, you know, you need your phone to pick up whatever signal is available. And if a 5G phone, especially in the early going, but even years down the road, if a 5G signal is not available, you want your phone to at least pick up the 4G signal or the 3G signal. Mm-hmm. And so when this happens, basically right now, the average amount of, as far as dollar value goes in smartphones, Skyworks has $18 worth of components in a 4G smartphone. When that goes to 5G... Mm-hmm. They're going to have $25 of a dollar value in a smartphone, which is a 40% increase. That's huge for the company. And like I said, they're also present in a lot of Internet of Things devices. So as the Internet of Things starts to explode, they'll benefit from that as well. Interesting. So it's a, it's a comparable is almost like NVIDIA. For, so for NVIDIA makes chips that are often in gaming systems and then most recently cryptocurrency mining machines. And they've, they've had a huge pop in the last few years. So it's almost like Skyward is a comparable, but for specifically for smartphones. Right, yeah. So chips can do anything, right? You have memory chips. You have uh, graphic mm-hmm. chips, which is what NVIDIA makes. And, and what makes NVIDIA great is those graphic thing, graphic chips are, are great for being programmed for like AI interfaces and, and cryptocurrency mining and things like that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Skyward basically is a chip that connects to networks. Well, that's a Wi-Fi signal that can be a, or a wireless signal or actually like Bluetooth. I mean, any of these kinds of signals, Skyworks lets your device connect to that. Gotcha. Good stuff, Matt. Well, this has been a super insightful on 5G. Is there anything that really excites you looking out? I mean, we covered so much stuff, how it's going to interface and connect Internet of Things for the future generation. Is there anything that is really exciting to you as a consumer and or an investor that we didn't cover? Well, it's exciting because it's going to enable a lot of technology we've heard about for a long time, and it's going to really allow it to work, like autonomous driving, mm-hmm. right? I mean, without a, a super fast wireless signal, autonomous driving doesn't work. 
things that eat up a lot of data like virtual reality or augmented reality, things like that. 5G is just really going to allow these kinds of technologies, I believe, to take off. Don't expect that in like a year or two, but over the next five or so years, I think you're going to see a lot of these technologies take off. And a lot of that's going to be because the rise of 5G. Love it. Exciting future ahead we have. Looking forward to 5G helping us get there. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you. And we'll leave links to all your material, including your article on The Motley Fool, in the show notes. Awesome, Sam. Thanks for having me. So 5G is coming our way and it's actually coming way faster than expected. Have you seen it in basically like every apartment building, except it's not actually 5G. It's just people talking about it. No, no, no. You know what? I was screaming when I was listening to you guys talk and I'm sure a lot of listeners were as well. So it was a, it was confusion between, and and the names are exactly very similar. So I could see why people confuse it. 5G Wi-Fi in like for your home network is five gigahertz uh, Wi-Fi, it's a it's a data band versus 5G cellular is the fifth generation of cellular service. Mm, so it's boy, actually completely different. Yeah. So wow. in people's ha- like in your point. apartment, you'll have normally a 2.4 gigahertz network as well as That's a right. 5 gigahertz network. And yes, the the 5 gigahertz network is faster, but has a shorter range which ironically is actually the same mm-hmm. as 5g which is also faster with a shorter range so they're so similar i can see why you mixed it up oh that's funny i always connect to the 5g wi-fi when it's available because it just it just feels better right yeah and it's faster but it sometimes faster. if you're like a bit far far away from it it might actually be slower yeah. <laughs> man well i just you know my dad actually pointed this out today apple's coming out with a new phone of course and it's not going to be 5g i thought now after researching this episode and taking a look at you know where we're at, I would have thought new phones would be 5G, but Apple's new phone not going to be 5G, not yet. Well, I mean, Apple has always wanted to, you know, they always try to be one or two years behind the latest tech. They they bring things out when it's ready for mainstream adoption. So you know they, they kind of let the the Android folks just say, all right, you could, you could go ahead and play with the latest, greatest. And some people will jump on that bandwagon because they want the fastest thing or the newest mm-hmm. thing. But Apple's like, all right, let's wait until it's proven. Let's let everyone else make mistakes and you know have the, the prices be higher because it's new tech. We're going to wait yeah. a few years. And I think that's what they're doing with 5G as well. So, Johnny, what of, of, of now that we've listened to this episode, what excites you most about 5G? Because I know you weren't initially excited about it. I mentioned we wanted to do an episode on it going back to our last quarterly review. And now are you are you excited about it or do you are you still like, meh? Well, here's the thing is I literally cannot think of any use case for it right now. And it might be one of those things where it can open up a lot of new use cases that we haven't thought about yet. But really, everything that we use, whether it's autonomous driving or, you know, uploading photos or, or videos, browsing the internet, none of that actually uses that much, like, it, it, the data is not, that, you know, it doesn't need to be that fast compared to 4G. 4G is already plenty fast for it. So with 5G, the only real difference would be to, you know, download or upload huge packets of, of data. And we're talking about, you know, a, a gigabyte worth of, uh, like a gigabyte photo or video, you know, versus something like uh, right now that we, that we use it might be a couple hundred megabytes because it's kind of streamed down for for like a phone size. But at the same time, 
I don't really see the point because our phones, as high definition as they are, you don't need to watch 4K video on a phone because the phone is so small that even if you watch it in like a lower resolution, like 720p or 1080p, which doesn't take that much bandwidth, it, like for our, our eyes, it's perfect. Like I, I don't see the point of it. Johnny, 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 you're missing the big picture. Let me let's go Vision Quest real quick. All right. Okay, let's do it. Back to John Thomas episode talks about by the year 2030, Dow Jones. I know you don't like the Dow Jones reference, but Dow Jones, a hundred thousand. S&P 500, 10,000. He says basically any asset class that you invest in in the next decade, 2020 to 2030, is going to go up four times. All of that that has a tech component is going to be enabled by 5G. Put aside biochemistry, medical, that's going to be a big part of you know the next d- decade of, of growth. But 5G is going to enable all this great stuff that we've heard about but has not yet come in place. Virtual reality, autonomous vehicles in a really meaningful way. I'm not talking about Tesla driving you 30 miles on the interstate. We're talking about cars, talking to cars, talking to stoplights, talking to roads, talking to buildings. All that's going to be enabled by 5G. Smart cities as an extension of what we're just discussing with these autonomous cars. All that's going to be enabled by 5Gs. All the growth in tech is going to be enabled in some way or some capacity by 5G. That's going to give way to the next the next generation of technology that's going to drive and automate a lot of the functions of this world. I, I do agree that the next generation of technology is going to be amazing, and it's going to need different tech that we have now. But I I cannot see how five G enables that because everything that you just mentioned is going to be amazing, but none of it actually takes that much bandwidth. And if anything, for like autonomous driving and, you know, these big kind of networks, what's more important is range of coverage where, you know, you have range throughout the country or throughout the world and it doesn't drop off. You don't have dead zones. The problem with 5G is it's so limited in in range that they have to have towers everywhere. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the... so. I, I have a feeling that I'm going to listen to this in two years and eat my shoe because there's going to be some, you know, something right under my nose that, you know, I haven't thought about or other people haven't thought about that we're like, oh, yeah, of course we needed, you know, to be able to download one gigabyte in three seconds, you know, or XYZ wouldn't be possible. But for as far as right now, I just can't see it. I know. That's that's the problem with most of humanity. It's like you can't <laughs> – no one's been able to pit, predict – with with great accuracy the next 20 or 30 years ahead right especially in in the age of internet i mean back in 500 years ago it was pretty easy to predict 10 years in the future or 20 years in the future but now i mean i i even listened to some, you know some of the people that we've had on this podcast and talking to them about life 10 years ago and 20 years ago and things have just changed so quick man it's just it's impossible really to predict where we're going to be at in 10 years. We have a pretty good idea, but there could be some some phantom leap into the future that no one saw coming. Yeah, I can um, definitely see that. And we'll look back and say, man, I can't I can't remember when, like, I can't believe when we used to be, like, in the middle of Tampa, Florida with T-Mobile and 
you know, only had one bar. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that I can, all right. I mean, that no, I definitely no. see is going gonna, is gonna to change. I, I, I would definitely predict that within a few years, especially if they open up, you know, as more, there's, there's more competition, less monopolies, that people will have better coverage everywhere. And it's going to be a fast speed. Yeah. You, you know, like my latest revelation is in these back country roads in the South and a lot of parts of the U.S., right? There's these these two lane highways where one car is going one direction, the other car is going the other direction, and there's literally a foot in between each car as they pass, going 60 miles an hour each. You know, and like I'm just thinking, man, so when I'm doing that, when I'm driving like that, because I don't drive that often anymore. You and I are international a lot, just riding scooters, walking. It, it gives me a, like a lot of anxiety when when you you're that close, and I know that's common for most people, but. It's a really unco- if you haven't done it in a while, it's it's actually quite uncomfortable. And I feel like ten years from now we're gonna look back and be like, dude, that was crazy when you know two cars driven by humans used to be able to go at each other at seventy miles an hour and literally miss each other by a foot. Yeah. And like it, it all it takes is one person to slip or freak out or doze off, and boom, you have a, a hundred. 40 mile an hour collision yeah like i feel like things like that are gonna we're gonna look back and be like man that was crazy that's insane i can 100 yeah. see that and so yeah i'm excited for the future uh but as you said none of us can predict what's actually gonna happen so that being said are you gonna try to pick individual stocks or even you know tech funds to try to ride this wave or are you just gonna you know keep at what you normally do i'm gonna keep at what i normally do uh, I do think some of these indirect ways of investing, we talked about Corning Company, which is a, just an incredible company that I learned about on this episode, been been around since Edison Lightbulbs uh, continues to innovate. I think that's really interesting. The Skyworks Company that produces semiconductors is, of course, a really interesting company. Um, and then you have the big telecom giants. AT&T, I don't know, John, if you saw AT&T's stock popped a lot today. Someone took a huge position in it and basically said that they're going to double their stock is going to double, and a lot of that's due to to their innovation with Internet of Things and 5G. But you know what I just did is I was contributing to my IRA, my Roth IRA, and I said, "All right, what do you do? You can you can contribute six thousand a year. Where do you put that money? Where would you put your money, Johnny, or, or have you allocated to your IRA this year?" You know, I think I forgot to do it so far, but I should. Um, Let's do it. What would you do with it? If you you, you can put in six thousand. And I, let's just say it's going into a Vanguard fund. What would you do with it? I, I, I've been putting it all in VTI, which is the total stock market, all 3,000 f- stocks. That's a good That's a good one. That's certainly not a bad choice. Well, my, my thoughts were, okay, I can either go into real – I would either put it into a real estate fund because in Roth IRA, you're not paying tax anyways. So all the, the real estate dividends, which is – I think Vanguard's right now is like 3.4% annual yield. That all be tax-free. So I can go into real estate, but a lot of the, the – uh, the best brains in the world, including Musk, Bezos, uh, that big Chinese guy, I forget what his name is, uh, they all think the population is actually going to implode pretty soon. Whereas a lot of people think that population is going to grow until 2050. They think it's already going, starting to go down because let's face it, like a lot of us aren't having kids or we're having kids when we're 40 or 50 uh, or when we have one kid. So I said, okay, if, if, if that's true, real estate in an IRA, because I can't touch my IRA for what, 30 years? So in 30 years, if, if populations level off or go down, real estate's not going to be booming. Real estate's going to shrink because there's going to be less people to fill all the real estate. But what will be, still be growing would be tech because tech's going to be needed uh, to automate all these current operations that are run by 
8 billion people. Um, so if I have to bet for 30 years, my bet is on tech uh, versus real estate. So I, I put all my money or I put my entire 6,000 into tech. BGT is the, uh, the fund. And a lot of that is also predicated on uh, the expansion of 5G. Oh, I can definitely see that. And don't blame you. That's definitely not my move. This, but risky is a high risk, high reward. If anything, if I was going to invest outside of a big index fund like I do, it would probably be Corningware. They, they sound like a cool company. Certainly don't sound like a company that's going to be making big mistakes or going anywhere, right? If they've been around since Edison and continue to... Uh, uh, innovate all the way through glasses <laughs> for Apple's phones. Yeah, I, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed that they didn't, you know, do a Kodak and just, you know, make themselves irrelevant. Because Gorilla Grass is, is is amazing, you know, and it's it's on, on everything now, and it's it's crazy. And I've actually used Cordingware bake uh, <laughs> um, pans before. Like I don't know if you've seen them, huh. but they, they look like um, they almost look kind of ceramic-ish. They're like glass bake bakeware, and it's it's really high quality. No, I haven't, but uh, I'm sure my mom has. I'll ask her after this episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Johnny, what do you what do you think about the big telecom companies? Is Verizon and AT and T AT and T stock pop big time today? Verizon, I've heard, uh, spent ten times as much, or has invested ten times as much money as AT and T into five. Uh, G technologies. And then, of course, you have China Mobile, which is basically China's monopoly on telecom. Three interesting ideas there, but obviously all of them should benefit long-term from 5G. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, all these companies, especially in the US, have a pretty much a monopoly. And I understand why. It's because you know it, they have to spend all this money for infrastructure and investments up front. So they want a kind of a guarantee that they're going to be able to get their money back or, or be profitable, but at the same time, I don't know. Like I, I don't know if it's that different from five years ago when we went from you know three G to four G. You know, people like it, people want to upgrade, but and things get better because of it. But I don't, I don't know if it's going to make that significant of a difference. This is going to be a fun episode to look back on. I'm saying it's going to be a huge impact. It'll just sneak into our daily life, and then all of a sudden one day we'll have all these great things, and we'll look back and say, "Whoa, that came, that kind of." became relevant pretty quick but it's it's certainly not going to be like we wake up one day and all these things are happening but by 2030 a lot of these things we're talking about they're going to become reality and we're going to take them for granted and it'll take an episode like this for us to look back and appreciate it yeah i I can definitely see that and i think what's cool is this podcast is all about exploration and finding you know what modern ways there are to invest and that's also going to be really exciting at the Invest Like a Boss Summit. Uh, so I guess real quick, let's take a few minutes to tell uh, everyone who hasn't got a ticket yet why they should go and also to hype up the people who already did buy a ticket to kind of let you guys know uh, more about the event. I love it. Well, yeah, first off, recap of the, of the high-level view. Saturday, September 27th in 28th. LA at the Pierce Street. 28th. <laughs> All right, we're getting there on the 27th, right, Johnny? Yeah. So actually, on the 27th, we're going to have a casual um, pre-registration and meetup. It's going to be probably either at the hotel uh, right by Pure Street. Uh, what was the name of the hotel we were both staying at? Do you remember? I don't know. You booked it. Yeah. Double Tree. No. Hyatt. 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 Yeah, and it's it's 
when, when you guys uh, buy a ticket, all that information will be in there, so you, you can take a look. And if you want to stay at the same hotel, you can. Uh, if not, you can just stay anywhere between Pier Street HQ and LAX, the airport. There's tons of options from, from all, all price ranges. But we're just going to have a casual meetup. It'll either be at the hotel or really nearby, you know, maybe at some like Mexican joint to have some tequila and tacos and just kind of hang out for you know a few hours for people who are in town early to meet up. But the main day is going to be that Saturday, September 28th, all day starting at 9.30 a.m. Uh, at Pier Street HQ in Redondo Beach. Yeah, it was Manhattan Beach. Manhattan and, Beach, sorry. Well, not, not that it matters, but it's yeah. it's somewhat of a more classy um, zip, co- <laughs> zip code. So Pier Street's got 30,000 square feet of office, Man- Manhattan Beach, a huge outdoor area. So we're going to be basically clearing out a, a big part of their office to accommodate everybody. We'll have staging set up. And um, and then at, at, at 12, we're going to break out for a two-hour kind of networking lunch Massive barbecue outside with everybody, uh, of course, beer and and uh, beverages. And hey, perfect time of the year to be outside in LA. So we want to make sure everyone gets to enjoy the outdoors. And let's face it, it's Saturday, so no one wants to work on Saturday. It's going to be a fun event, um, and we're we're all there to share in it. Yeah, definitely. And it's not going to be your normal seminar, which is going to be a bunch of talks and you know and, and lectures. It's really going to be interactive. You know, it's going to be. In a very intimate environment where you can you can be able to ask questions with from all the speakers and you know what's really crazy is I mean how often can you network and get to know you know these founders of these big companies CEOs of these big big companies multimillionaire investors I mean it's it really is a unique experience and to be honest you know this first you know as our first year doing it. Next year is going to be way bigger, way more people. So it's going to be you know a little little bit harder to have that you know personal time uh, with everyone, and to be able to get to ask your questions directly. But this year, I, you know, it's going to be a small enough group where we guarantee if you have a question, you want to and you want to ask it, you know, you're going to be able to ask directly to these speakers. Johnny, I've been to a handful of these similar conferences over the last decade. I know you have as well. One that pops out to me was was Dynamite Circle. I went to the first one ever in Bangkok, and I just remember that was that was the best one because it was small, it was intimate, everyone got to know everyone, lots of good friends were made, lots of great business contacts, and um, and and that's been true with a lot of the events I've gone to. That the first one have been amazing, and all the other ones are great, but they get bigger, less intimate, more commercial. Uh, so I think this one is is going to be awesome. I mean, we have such a great group of people coming both in terms of guests and speakers. We're going to have experts there in venture capital, behavior finance, of course, peer-to-peer lending with the Peer Street guys, uh, MLG Capitals coming out, talk about real estate. So we're going to have experts there. Uh, and, and, of course, um, SaaS and, uh, and and flipping websites. So there's there's tons of, of great knowledge there. We're going to have a great group and all sides of investing. And um, I'm just pumped to meet everybody that's going to be coming out and also just pick brains of, of uh, all the experts that are going to be attending as well. Yeah, definitely. And the biggest, I mean, like one of the biggest names that we just announced is Adam Nash, who's actually the former president and CEO of Wealthfront. So that's the big robo-advisor company with um, – do they have billions under management now or like hundreds of millions? It's it's a huge no, company. No, don't. Johnny – they made an announcement today, today, 
guess how much they have under management today? Like this came out right before we started at recording this podcast. I, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, I, if a hundred million is a big number, and I'm, I was thinking a billion. That sounds almost that. That's too crazy. That's, that's not possible. What, what is it? Bro, twenty billion now under oh management at Wealthfront. That's a country. Twenty billion. They've grown two x in the last eight months. So you know, and Adam Nash got all that stuff started. Yeah. Um, He's also VP at Dropbox now. He's on the board of Acrons, and uh, he's a a teacher at, at, or a lecturer at uh, Stanford. So he's actually going to be talking for between an hour and uh, hour 20 minutes about behavioral finance and private equity and all all the, you know, his experience at all these companies. And it's going to be fascinating. I've heard he's just a a rock star speaker, so I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be amazing. That that's our keynote. So that one is much longer than all of our other talks. Other talks are going to be uh, much shorter. You know, between you know about thirty minutes or so, but with a heavy focus on Q and A and kind of just more of a panel discussion. So we can just sit uh, and you know get to know these you know these bosses and really ask the questions that we have on our mind. So I think it's, it's so cool that we're going to have these guys. And what I really like about Adam is you know not only is he a lecturer at Stanford, uh, you know, the former president of this huge company Wealthfront, but the fact that he's the board of directors on at Acorns, it, it's kind of, and if you guys aren't familiar, Acorns is, you know, a, a, a startup where you can invest the change, the loot, the change. It basically rounds up whatever you spend. So if you spend 89 cents on a, on a bagel or two seventy nine uh, on a cup of coffee, it, all it does is it automatically rounds up to the next big number, you know, so it takes those 21 cents and it puts it into a savings account for you and that invest that, uh, invest that 21 cents for you. That really adds up. So really we have something for everybody. So whether you, you know, have sold a company like Sam has, or if you're just getting started investing and you literally have, you know, 21 cents to start investing, there is something for every single person who's going to attend. Well, Johnny also, might want to throw in the fact that right after the conference, the next day, we're going to Vegas. It's going to be a much smaller event. Probably half the people will come, maybe like 20 or 30%. Who knows? We'll see how many people show up. But Johnny and I will be there for two days. We're going to go to a speed track uh, and rent race cars. Again, there's options all the way from the slickest Lamborghinis on down to what's, what's one of the low types of cars they have, Johnny? You know, you can get you more can rent econ- a, economy size. Yeah, you can rent like a Porsche Cayman for... Less than a hundred bucks. So, like, we really we chose something that where everybody can come and just have fun. It's really not about the fact that we're we're racing cars, but really just hanging out with these exotic cars. And then you can yeah. take whatever ones you want. And you know, if you're a big baller, you could take all of them out and spend a couple grand. But you know, if you just want to come yeah. hang out, you can literally spend eighty eighty nine bucks and take out a Corvette for for a lap. Honestly, even driving Dodge Neon around a racetrack is a hell of a lot of fun. So it doesn't really matter the type of car you're in. Just get out there and do it. Uh, and then we'll, of course, have uh, after parties and nights out out in Vegas before we all take off on uh, between the 30th and 31st. But, you know, come for all of it or come for some of it. Uh, definitely recommend coming to the event at Pier Street in L.A. on Saturday the 28th. I think that's going to be, you know, incredibly uh, productive, insightful, and we're going to meet a lot of great people. If you have the ability and flexibility, come join us in Vegas for two days afterwards. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and I don't want anyone thinking that, you know, if you can't take all those days off and come out to Vegas, don't worry about it. Just just come to the LA event. Even if you can just come for Saturday, September 28th, that's the main day. It'll be absolutely worth it. You know, we're going to have a great lunch. We're going to have tons of talks. We're going to have lots of networking. And thanks to our sponsors, we're actually able to provide lunch, coffee, food, you know, and even beer for all tickets. So we actually got rid of the lowest ticket, the BYOB, bring your own beer (laughs) ticket, because now it's supplied by everyone. So anyone who bought that ticket, congratulations, you've actually been upgraded for free to a deluxe ticket. So now you have breakfast, not breakfast, sorry, lunch, uh, coffee, and beer all included, thanks to Pier Street. Uh, And also, uh, for the next 25 people who buy a ticket... MLG, our other sponsor, is giving you $50 each ticket, any ticket, which means for less than $100, you can come attend this all-day conference, meet and learn from all these huge bosses, and get fed, (laughs) have drinks. It is the best value you'll ever have, and I guarantee it will never be this cheap again. The price will double or triple next year, and there'll be two or three times more people, so this is the year to come Get your butt to LA, no matter what it takes. I don't care where you live. It's going to be worth flying out to. So go to investlikeaboss.com slash summit. Buy a ticket. Use coupon code MLG50 if you're the next 25 people. And we'll see you in uh, LA and then hopefully in Vegas as well. And that goes for you, Johnny. I'll see you there in two weeks. Uh, I'm flying out on the 27th. I will meet you there. And we're going to actually also be doing a live studio recording of our Q4 updates. We're going to do a video uh, recording. So everything that we talk about on our Q4 updates are going to be complemented with live screenshots and dashboards. Uh, Joe Rogan style, actually. I would say that's the inspiration for this coming episode. So it's going to be a fun-filled weekend and looking forward to seeing you, Johnny, and all the speakers and all of our listeners out there September 28th, Los Angeles, September 29th and 30th, Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm excited for that, and, and good luck, and hopefully you have a better flight experience down in LA than you did <laughs> out to Florida. And will do, buddy. Domestic's always a breeze. Not. Oh. Well, <laughs> I'm going to be flying private this time down to LA, but that's a whole other no. story. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. All right, save it for the Q4 updates. Should I? Save it okay. for the Q4 updates. All right. Yeah. I'll see you guys uh, in LA. Well, we, could, we could talk then. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at bestlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.